Sonny is very lucky that his father is a better person than Oli. And I think you, 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 you are an ostrich. Next Tuesday, April Fool's Day, he's the biggest fool in Manchester. And that is you, David Myers. Football heritage. No one wants to be a fullback as a kid. No one wants to grow up and be a Gary Neville. But unfortunately, crimes and wars will multiply. I love football. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Bola Boys podcast. This is our third preseason episode. So far, we've received a lot of support as well as honest feedback, and we really, really appreciate that. Keep them coming, please. We've also excitingly launched our FPL League. So join our Instagram for more details on that. And we'll be covering FPL as well on our next pod. So I'm Kaiser, the host for today. And I'm joined by Rahul. Hello, hello. As well as Viz. Hi, everyone. And I've been waiting a while for this one because we'll be covering Liverpool as well as Leicester and Brentford. So I'll dive straight into it. Liverpool, Rahul. Had a very, very interesting season. Coming out of the league winning season, there were <laughs> high expectations. Winning the league again, maybe. Only City have done it in the last decade. Retaining the title, I mean. Um, but yeah, things took a turn. And in the end, I think like most Liverpool fans, we were very thankful to even get a Champions League spot. So what were your thoughts generally on the season we had? It's so um, it's so fitting that the one season where I'm not pessimistic, right, which was last season, uh, this happens. Normally, before every season, even after we won a Champions League and finished second, I was like, I don't know, bro. I don't. Uh, I just. I think we're gonna fall off. You know. I don't think it's gonna happen. And then we won the league. Yes, you are one of the more pessimistic uh, <laughs> Liverpool fans I know. That's for sure. <laughs> and then um, at, the, at the start of last season, I was like, you know what? I, th- I think we can do it. I think we can do it again. And then sure enough. Yeah. <laughs> and then sure enough. So I have to, uh, you know, I apologize to everyone. I have to take some responsibility for that because that's how these things work, right? Um, and also good news to everyone else. I'm very pessimistic about this season. So hopefully we'll be back to, <laughs> to be good there again. There is hope. <laughs> um, but looking at the season, um, it's one of those things, whenever it comes to football results, or mostly to do with Liverpool, right, I almost never sort of go back and look at results which don't go away. Um, but obviously for the purposes of the pod and just obviously trying to look forward, I've tried to have a look at individual games and what happened last year. And I think mm-hmm. the centre-back injuries obviously is so obvious. Everyone will talk about it. Everyone knows about it. We don't have to yep. touch on that yep. any further, right? You know, Van Dijk, arguably best centre-back in the world at the time over the last three years. Um, mm. I think few would dispute that um, injury obviously is going to have a big impact on the team let's not talk about that bit but I think who was affected a lot as a consequence of that injury was Trent um, right. no surprises his attacking output in terms of assists and goals reduced um, that threat down the right wing um, was just not as effective and not as present as it was over the last two seasons and I think because of that, we had another sort of domino effect in the front three were getting supplied less. And if they're getting supplied less, they're going to pull the ball in the net less, right? Um, I, I, I don't know if it's as, as simple as that, but that's something which I think uh, would nicely summarize our performances from last year. Yeah, I think, as you said, 
the centre-back issue, we had 20 different centre-back partnerships. And I'm glad you mentioned the domino effect because I think, uh, like you mentioned, it wasn't just um, the defensive part of the team that was impacted. We saw the attacking outputs as well. I think this, you mentioned last season, I think, when we were discussing about how um, you saw, even as a, as a non-Liverpool fan, it was quite clear how yeah. how our, our wing-backs... Um, were impacted and yeah. like you saw the lack of edge in our play. Yeah, immediately, you know, uh, first and foremost, the defensive uh, stability wasn't there anymore. You know, Liverpool were letting in goals for fun. And not only that, in terms of your attacking output, um, the right-backs and left-backs were not able to, you know, have the license to bomb forward as they used to, you know. I mean, last season, looking at last season, I think... Trent Alexander-Arnold, you know, he didn't have much of the um, defensive responsibility to carry on his shoulders as opposed to he mm. had to, I mean, the 2021 season, right? So I think that had impacted him as well, together with um, COVID as well, you know, he had to come out of that. And overall, um, how the domino effect for me when I saw it, when, you know, Van Dijk is out, uh, Joe Gomez was out, is the fact that Fabinho could not play in midfield anymore and you guys had to play him in centre-back. And right. uh, that, yeah, that sort of, you know, changed everything for Liverpool as a team because uh, playing from the back also was one of your biggest strengths. You know, Van Dijk's long balls. How many times have we seen him pump the long ball into the final third and Sadio Mane, Salah, one of them getting the ball, they're going to finish it. But then also together with Van Dijk's absence and those balls not coming in anymore, the front three weren't firing as well. So when you look at the overall picture, everything that could have gone wrong for Liverpool went wrong last season. So, yeah, we, we can see clearly that the numbers for the front three weren't um, what they were used to. They were heavily, you know, underperforming their XG as well. Um, yeah, I think that's exactly right what Vis is saying. Um, there was definitely some level of misfortune there. Um, but I think a decline was always coming. Um, the numbers and the performances that this Liverpool squad were putting up in the, you know, I think I would even say all the way back from the 17-18 season, 17, 18, 18, 19, 19, 20. So that includes two Champions League runs, finishing second on 97 points, winning the Champions League, mm. and then having another 90-point uh, season. There was going to be a decline, right? If the squad yeah. wasn't refreshed. Um, yeah. Coming back to, again, another point Vis made, Trent's output, he broke the assist record two seasons in a row. Yeah. Um, and Robertson wasn't far behind. And Robertson yeah, wasn't far behind. Man. So, you know, yeah. to expect them to maintain that level mm. um, for another season, I mean, now in hindsight, it's so easy to say, right? But I think a decline yeah. would have been coming and it was just made so much worse by freak things like injuries. Van Dijk's injury, yeah. Gomez's injury, Thiago's injury, all these things are one-off events where possibly some might say, oh, this is the effect of, you know, 40, 50 game seasons over the last three years. But things like Pickford coming out and scissor, you know, like scissoring Van Dyke, that's not that's nothing to do. That's nothing to do with the last few years. These are these are just, you know. So I think I think it's the decline was coming, compounded by all these unfortunate events has led to, to the season we had. And you know what? At the end of the day, we finished it five points from unbelievable. Yeah. That's, that's unbelievable. unreal. That's you know that's a great season. Yeah, that's let's talk about season. how that happened. I think firstly you mentioned about maintaining the quality. Someone who did. Uh, again, was Salah, who finished the season with 22 goals. Um, and so he somehow maintained um, his performance. Sadio had only 11. 
last season. So that's uh, that's something to to think about. I think apart from Salah, Genie, uh, just because of how many minutes he managed to put in, is also was also another standout player in the whole in the whole season. Like this mentioned, Fabinho, Hendo all had to deputize in the centre back position as well. And finishing third. Oh, after when we saw the table, I remember. I mean, Viz was smiling and laughing deep inside. Or well, not yeah, deep inside. Memes, actually, no, he honestly, was quite uh, openly. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Going around, it's, was, it's all a backhand. Oh, Liverpool, <laughs> Liverpool, the worst uh, title uh, winners because you know they were like what six, seven, eighth. You know, and they, you know yeah. they were so shit and all that. Then suddenly, you get shit like Allison scoring from the corner <laughs> in the nineteenth. I mean, what nonsense is that? Remember when I mean, we looked at the on. table? We're like. Leicester, Chelsea, West Ham, all of them were like above Liverpool and we were like, there's just no chance. Yeah. And me and Rahul definitely said that from a pessimistic view, but I think this you as well, like, yeah. no, there's no way Leicester like, yeah, will it's finish not realistic la, right? West Ham were on a great run. Apparently not. So well. Apparently not. <laughs> and somehow, we managed to claw it back. And one of the key reasons I feel was that, as you mentioned already, Fabinho having to deputize and centre-back, but when he came back, he was in that sixth position, which allowed Thiago to play further up and really improve his performances. He, had a, he struggled at the start of the season um, as well. And uh, centre-backs, even though it wasn't our first, second, third or fourth choice, at least there was some steadiness when we started playing Reese and um, Phillips at the back there. And we, end, we went on an extremely long uh, winning run. Yeah, and I think... <laughs> Coming back to what you said, who knew playing players in the position that they play would, uh, would you know, <laughs> would be better for the team? So for Binho coming back to the six, yeah, that was really important. Um, I think he's quite underappreciated in the league. It'd be interesting to see what Viz thinks about this, about how good a six he is, because um, I think he is one of the best in Europe. Last season, I think yeah. it's difficult, right? Because he played all over the place, but definitely over the last two seasons so important in our Champions League winning run and also in the league. Um, yeah. So getting him back to that sixth position was very important. The other thing weird about Thiago is Klopp never, like almost never um, starts a new player straight away. You know, mm, we sign yeah. someone Takes new. Takes time to bet them a in. massive yeah. betting amount of time. Countless examples yeah. of that. So Robertson almost had, right. what, almost a year before Moreno mm-hmm. got injured, before he was introduced into the team. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, there are loads of signings where he doesn't bring them in immediately. Um, but he did it with Thiago. Um, so I think that's only testament of how good a player he thinks he is and obviously how good a player Thiago is. But I think Thiago had never been asked to play in a role like he was being asked to play for Liverpool and that you could see that he was making tackles and this bo- this guy like bless his heart man he just looked like he didn't know how to fucking tackle uh, that's yeah. for sure <laughs> yeah, every definitely. season I'll be sat there every season every game I'll be sat there watching him lunge in and be like this. I don't know how he didn't get a red card you know last season I don't know how he got sent off didn't get sent off yeah there were so many late to be fair to be fair on him I mean he was meant to play next to Fabinho you could see how you could see the real you know um uh, uh Thiago, as soon as, you know, he was playing next to um, Fabinho, you know, and that's that's sort of what, you know, helped click the the number of results, the points that you all got towards the end of the season. I think that was very, very important. Yeah, so and yeah. someone next to him was, was crucially important, as I mentioned before, was Genie, and he's left on a free. Uh, we haven't had uh, a replacement coming yet. The only transfer in so far we've had is Konate, who we bought for 34 million. Uh, what an interesting situation that is from 
being desperate in January, <laughs> having to spend our money on Kabak and Ben Davies, and then now having a Darth or having a plethora of options at centre back now that Van Dyke, Gomez, uh, and Matip are back, and yeah, who else is needed uh, in this team? Because Virginia out, the midfield seems a bit like. I mean, obviously. I mean, obviously, without even going any further, we we need some another body in midfield. I've heard people say that um, Thiago was actually Ginny's replacement. So if you look at it that way, fine. Thiago's come in a season early. We we paid the money to get him in six months early, so we could integrate him into the team, and that's worked. So I mm. think the second half of the season, as we said, next to Fabinho, he's been so good, really good. I think close to you know that last winning run we had what five games in a row and then nine undefeated or whatever he was pivotal yeah um, i wouldn't be surprised if he was man of the match or um second in line for that award in most of those games so fine you say tiago is the genie replacement let's let's look at it that way one thing that that's obvious from last season is that genie when i don't played four thousand minutes about 40 40 something games right if liverpool is a machine would, He's an absolute machine. Every game he, st- I saw Every the lineup game. coming out. I was like, "This guy's heading for an injury," um, but he didn't. And you know, that's why I think it's such a massive loss. If Liverpool go on to have a season that they want to have, so thirty-eight games in the Premier League and a deep run into the Champions League, we're looking at about 40, 50 games. That's not even counting right. the domestic cups, right? Who yeah. is making up those games if Wijnaldum has left them? Jones, Elliot. I mean, those are two. Uh, two names that are currently beating and then Ox is back as well but I mean looking at the history of how um, in terms of injury record Keita as well it's very unlikely uh, based on past uh, past evidence that they'll be able to cover that that's the thing when have Ox and Keita put together a run of 30-40 games exactly Keita every preseason oh he looks great he looks great well, bro then... the other day someone I can't even take credit for this I was listening to a podcast and someone was like Keta in preseason is like saying the boogeyman's name into the mirror, right? If we keep saying Keta is fit <laughs> enough times, then he gets injured. So I don't the even want to mention it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, but I, I, I don't know where those minutes come from. Curtis Jones, Javier Elliott, like you said, fine. Okay, I'm sure there'll be bodies in midfield. Yeah. But these aren't... What? Javier Elliott had a season in championship, which is okay. I think he did well. He's 17 years old. Curtis Jones is what? 19, 20? These are not people you want to hang your hat on. These should be between them, yeah. Javier Elliott, maybe let's get let's say over the season, right? Both of them should be getting maybe thirty games between themselves. Yeah. There should be a core of Fabinho, Henderson, and one more. That one more was Wanaldum. Um I don't know if Keita and Ox can make those numbers up. That's the big question for me. That's one of three big questions I would say. Has there been any rumors? of more transfers in I mean Tielemans was the soft one uh, last time but I'm not sure apart from that if there's any we've been I mean we've been linked to it like you said Tielemans we've been linked to it Sol Niguez at Atletico we've been saying to, linked to it uh, Nehaus in Mönchengladbach we've been linked with um, Bisuma at Brighton and n- nothing's come to fruition I think that's the other thing about Liverpool is they're so fussy and they're so specific about players they sign uh, you know, when we couldn't get Van Dijk, we didn't choose. We didn't choose to go for another centre back. We waited for him. Uh, yeah. You know, we are very specific, and there's certain metrics they look at. 
Um, yeah, I remember when we were very frustrated when Pepe had a fantastic season and like, why are we not getting this guy, you know? What, a, bu- what a bullet dodge. What a bullet dodge. What a bullet dodge, yeah. <laughs> 70 million. Well, let, let's hope similar will be seen to uh, Sancho and the likes uh, yeah, this season. But crossed. on that, the, the rivals, City, United, Chelsea, I mean, we've spoken to, uh, about them in the previous pods. They are strengthening like nobody's business. Um, 100 million, Grealish. Um, Chelsea, they're going all out, I think, for Lukaku, looks like, likely. Yeah, Lukaku. City might even build on that and um, have Kane in as well. And United, this. So, I mean, what are the chances uh, yeah, Liverpool have for this season? I think, um, I think it comes back to the question of what is successful for Liverpool. And obviously, as a fan, we know what is success, right? We should be challenging, I think. But it'd be interesting to pose the same question to upper management and people in the club. Obviously, in public, I expect them to say, yeah, Liverpool should be challenging for the title. <laughs> we should be going deep in the Champions League. But behind closed doors, yeah. just based on our transfer activity, looking at our net spend over the last few years... Yeah, our transfer strategy. It, it, you know, it, is it the case that they think, oh, you know, within the finances and within the realms of reality for this club... Is it that, oh, we stay competitive every year, fine, which means making a Champions League spot, and we look to mount uh, a challenge every three years, every four years? Because based on the transfers we've done and, you know, the the, the money we're trying to spend, it doesn't seem practical that we challenge the rest, the other three, I would say. I think there are four teams who are going to challenge for the league, right? That's us, Man United, City and Chelsea. So it'd be interesting to see you, Vis, you know, from an external point of view, do you see us as challengers? Or do you think, you know, it's, 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 not, um, it's not possible without any signings? So, yeah, exactly. If you look at the signings that, like, Chelsea, City and even United have made to, you know, bolster their, their sort of squad depth, right, and the millions that they spend, is it goes to show that they're showing ambition, you know, if you ask me. Really, they want the challenge for the title every season, every year. With Liverpool, their transfer policy, this transfer structure in itself is very net spend centric in, in terms of, oh, we'll only buy this, mm-hmm. guy, th- this player if we can sell like Coutinho for 100 something million. You all wouldn't have bought uh, Alisson or Van Dijk if it and wasn't that, yeah. for Coutinho, you know. Like, if, but if you look at United, I mean, w- what is our net spend? Our net spend is the highest, I think, um, among all the other clubs at what, 500 Up million? Even City, more than, yeah. yeah, yeah, even more than City, in fact. So, I, I think that um, they've brought in Klopp. Klopp has done amazing in terms of, you know, with the resources that he's been given with and with those signings that he has made. Like, the big ones that I can remember are, of course, you know, your Salah, money, But all these people, he got it for so cheap. You know, he, he got these gems on his own. But the big signings, like like Van Dijk, Allison. I mean, it's about time you guys spent, you know, on, uh, on another uh, signing as well. Like, I think there were rumours on, on Chiesa that you guys, you know, bidded for, what, 100 million? For Kesa, you know, th- I mean that shows signs, but has there any been any movement at all? You know, I I don't I, you've not signed anyone that makes me go, oh my god, no Liverpool are bolstering. Like, look, when I see City, I mean with Jack Grealish, I feel so like, oh fuck, you know, yeah, like their pockets are so exactly, so deep. exactly. And in terms of succession planning, what happens when Salah, Mane, and Firmino, Raul? You were saying earlier that you know they're they're probably on the decline. So what's the succession planning for that? You know, who's gonna come in? You know, step in for that. Um, I don't. I don't know if we're there at the point where um, we can 
say they're on the decline. I mean, I don't think that's the case. Definitely for Salah. I mean, he's been the one thing which has been consistent over the last four years since he signed. Well, <laughs> we'll come on to it when we look at the future, you know, looking looking forward for Liverpool. But I think one of the other big questions is surrounding Mane and Firmino. All three of them are the same age. And that was nice over the last three years because they all sort of peaked at the same time. And that's why we had such yep. successful seasons. All 29 now. All 29 now. All of them, I think, their contracts run out in 2023. So there's two yep. years left. And my feeling is that whether we want to or not, we can't afford to renew all three. Okay, and so that yeah. plays into the whole succession planning thing. I think Jota is there. And maybe we're overstating mm-hmm. this. Maybe Jota is the one who starts being actively in the team rather than Firmino. Um, right. But I still think one more needs to be added. One more needs to be added. Because say you renew Salah and Mane, but Mane falls off a cliff. We want someone already there in place. This is what good teams do. This is what for Sir Alex yeah. Ferguson at the heights of Man United when they're winning leagues every other year yeah. or every year. He always had attackers there. He always had... If yeah. someone... He used to dip people in and out during the season, let alone yeah, between yeah. seasons. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Ruthless. Berbatov, Tevez, Rooney, Ronaldo, all these guys used to yeah. spend time at the bench sometimes because he'd know when players were peaking and declining and he'd switch yes. them throughout season and that's why yeah. they were so yeah. good and I think we are playing a very risky game with this net spend um, based transfer strategy where when everyone else is going out and addressing problems where they are United went and addressed the centre-back problem someone apart partner Maguire and the right-wing problem Chelsea they had problem finishing their chances they've gone they've signed a very good striker well they're looking to sign a very yep. good striker City, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what problems they had, but they've gone, they've gone, they've, they've gone and added no two, problems in attack. Two of the pro- arguably the two of the most exciting. Well, they've added one so far. I don't know what's going to happen with the Kane thing, but a like hundred million yeah. pound on Jack Grealish. Everyone is crying in the transfer fee over six, seven, eight years. I don't think that's that bad. Yeah. Well, something to touch on is that we have renewed contracts for a few key players: Fabinho, Trent, Allison, all who are integral uh, to the team. Um, Another one who has been integral to the team but had some injury issues has been Henderson, our captain. Um, and so that's something interesting. He has two years left and it might be another Gini Wijnaldum issue uh, there if um, that continues to be um, the case. I think so. And I think, uh, you know, obviously on paper when I first saw that, I was like, oh, this, this is not good. You know, Henderson, the things he's done for the club, he's been here for 10 odd years. It shouldn't be a question about whether you renew his contract or not. But I think from the club's point of view, they have to be frugal. They have to think about what it means, not now, but at the point where a player will be 33, 34 years old. At the end yeah. of this contract, Henderson will be 33 years old. His injury record hasn't been great. He didn't play a single yeah. game for Liverpool FC since January of this year. And I think all yeah. these things probably play into why there might be a stall in the contracts. And I think if you want to be yeah. brutal, if you want to work this way, if you want to be efficient in the way you renew contracts and sign players, these are the hard decisions you're going to make. We made one with Wijnaldum already. Um, and I think Henderson might be the next one, which you know, possibly might go that way. Yeah, very annoying. Well, the club have to be objective. And in terms of captaincy, we do have Van Dijk, Trent, who are um, um, leaders in the team that could potentially um, take over. And yes, we could spend a long, long time uh, more talking about uh, Liverpool. And I'm sure Viz would be delighted too. <laughs> but we'll move on to the, the next team, which is Leicester. So 
So the next team we'll be touching on is Leicester, who had quite a mirror season, if you can say, compared to uh, Liverpool. Started off very, very well. Um, they finished fifth the season before, uh, so expectations again were, of course, trying to push into the Champions League as tough as it was, but I think a European place, they'll be more than delighted. But how the season panned out, Rodgers and the whole uh, team will be disappointed they did not finish in the top four. However, they did beat um, the European champions in the FA Cup final, so they do have um, silverware. So this, I guess... Would this be seen as a successful season for Rodgers? Um, overall, I would say successful, yeah, but still second most successful season. Mm. Um, obviously, when you compare the season where they well, won the, the Premier League, league right, yes. that would be, <laughs> yeah, in their history, would be the most successful one. But yeah, they still won the FA Cup. So if we take the seasons, the past two seasons under Rodgers in isolation, five, uh, they finished fifth twice. Um, although last season when they finished fifth, they spent majority of the season in the top four, about 242 days to be exact. Okay. And in the 1920 season, same thing as well. They finished fifth, but majority of the season, in fact, 68 out of 72 weeks, they were in the top four. So there's this trend where, um, not just with Leicester, I think with Liverpool as well, where Rodgers tends to, you know, drop off towards the end of the season. And um, yeah, this is, this is a trend that needs to be sorted. But if you look at the bigger picture, Prior to Rogers coming in, Leicester finished ninth, you know. So right after when the season he took over, they finished fifth. So Rogers has sort of given them an Improvement, identity. Improvement, going the right direction. Yeah, man. going the right direction, definitely. Like like when they won the when they won the Premier League, right? After that, they were sort of like the lucky winners and like yeah, that's they never came close again. Has, so yeah, exactly. Yeah, so what Rogers has done is he sort of, you know, hey, look, this is what we are, this is what we can do, and sort of given them a sense of, you know, identity, what type of football they want to yeah. play. So, and I think yeah. their recent success, like that you mentioned, is also their downfall at times. I think how fast they've uh, improved and how well yeah. they've recruited and how well they've played over the seasons. The expectations just keep on increasing every season. Yeah. And I think it, it is a successful season. If you, again, this, you put it into the context of the last two finishes. I mean, let's go back to 2014. They were a championship club. You know? And yeah. I think 2014, exactly. not long ago. Not, not long ago. And it's not long ago, bro. And if you yeah. go back another five years, they were a League One club, you know? If you had told any League One club at that point, I bet if you go to League One and offer this to any of their fans, you will have an FA Cup. You'll have a Premier League title. <laughs> And you'll be in and about challenging yeah, for Champions yeah, League right. spots over the last, you know, in 2019, 2020, 2021. They, they'll bite your hand off. The progression... Rahul, as you sharing said, some perspective. For sure, for sure. I think the progression yeah, for yeah. this club has been amazing. Look at the players that they've signed over the last, you know, five years yeah, or so. So Yunchu, like, Castagne, yeah, more recently. Like Kante, Kante, Mahrez, Chilwell, Inacio, Maguire, Madison, Barnes, Soyuncu. You know, I can go on and on. These are the type Unreal, of players bro. that they recruit. Tielemans. Tielemans. Yeah, Tielemans. Yeah, exactly. And this is shown again through the transfers this season, you think? Patson Daka and uh, yeah, Sumare exactly. as well. I mean, I've exactly. watched some of the Daka's highlights. He looks frighteningly quick. And so, yeah, yeah, is he a yeah. Vardy so, replacement? Is he meant to be? Yeah, he is. He is a Vardy successor, essentially. So, Patson, Patson Daka, 22 years old. Only 23 million. Um, striker from RB Salzburg in the Austrian Bundesliga. So let me give you some stats. He has a whopping 61 goals in 87 appearances. So over the last two seasons, he scored about 61 goals. 
Yes, it's the Australian, Australian Bundesliga. Yeah. <laughs> this game, but, huh? but still, you know, they've signed a good, good player. He's 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 a pacey guy. He has great movement, comes alive in the penalty area. He loves to play on the shoulder of the last defender and doesn't get too involved in a build-up play. Very, very similar to Vardy. In terms of transfers out, they haven't had anyone out yet. Right? I think there's Madison links with Arsenal. Tillemans, as we mentioned already, Liverpool. Uh, I think Fuchs and Morgan have left on a free, but they didn't really play a part. Uh, in their season, uh, last season. Fofana, you mentioned preseason, has had a shocking uh, injury. I think he fractured his fibula, if the reports say correctly. And currently they're inquiring about uh, Tarkowski. Um, I mean, looking at all this transfer activity, Rahul, and how they've done previously, and again, it looks like potentially their recruitment, uh, they've smashed it again. But of course, we'll see how the season plays out. What, what, what do the chances look like um, this season? I think it's again is all relative, right? So when we when we're looking at where they should be finishing, I think like as we said, they're punching above their weight in terms of what is what you traditionally view the teams um, competing for those spots. So it makes a bit more sense when I give examples. So they're finishing above Arsenal and Spurs, which they you know shouldn't be, right? And this is. Yeah, all because paper, yeah. the stark difference in the way they run. Um, they're well aligned from top to toe. Their recruitment is really good. The thing we, Vis was saying was their ins are so good. You know, the way they scout players, the transition is really good from the clubs they're coming from into Leicester. But I think what they do so well yeah. is their outgoings as well. You know, mm. you look at core mm-hmm. players from each of their seasons, they're not afraid to let them go at the right price. They've let Kante go. They've let Maguire yeah. go. Um, I wouldn't be surprised. Drink water. Yeah, drink, I don't know, drink water. That was a robbery. <laughs> that wasn't even... That day, that's having some... League winning drink down, water. Holy Did you read this article crap. which said uh, these $25 million worth of signings went for $250 million? I think there was an article on The Athletic that I read. So it's just a group of players like Maguire and um, Chilwell, all these people, you group them up. Yeah, 25 million, but they sell them for 10x. That's crazy. It's amazing business. So yeah, I think you have to to give them credit with the outgoings as well. They're just a well-run club and they know what they're doing. So I won't be surprised if they get the right offer for Madison, they'll move him along. Um, And what that tells me, if you read between the lines, I don't know whether they have some question marks around his fitness or I don't know if there's some question marks around his ceiling. Um, right. But yeah. yeah, there's definitely something there um, around medicine, which I think they they wouldn't mind if he went for 60, 70 million. They wouldn't mind. Yeah, they yeah. have they, they have this understanding. That's why they know exactly where they stand. You know, there's a sense of ease with the fact that the players they develop, right, might be enticed away at some stage by mm. those rivals. And they're okay with that. They're completely fine with that because they'll definitely find someone else. That's part of the plan. You know, yeah. That's how good. Yeah, that's part of the plan. So they're always prepared to, you know, fill that gap. Do you think DD is next then? The fact that Sumare is, uh, Sumare has come in yeah. as well? Yeah, I think so. Ndidi, they they prepared for Ndidi's um, sort of like if he wants to go, he can go. You know, we have Sumare now, and Sumare, yeah, he's um, 22 years old, very young, 17 million only. He came through PSG's youth team, and then he he wanted first team football, mm. so he went on to play for Lille, won the the won league the there. League uh, with, on, yeah. yeah, won the league, so he has experience winning as well. And uh, yeah, for those of you the listeners uh, listening, Sumare, he's a central defensive midfielder, very, very similar to um, how Pogba plays on the pitch in, in terms of his defensive uh, attributes. Like, no, so no, not sorry, very not good. So, so no defending. Yeah. Uh, so if you look at... <laughs> <laughs> no, what I meant to say was what I meant to say was if you look at if you look at uh, Sumare and you look at Pogba from the TV, they look very similar the way they move and all that, you know. So not so much even his teammates, well, uh. you know, call him 
Bogba. Wow. The reason I mentioned Pogba was because his friends, his friends, his own teammates call him oh, Bogba. Yeah. You know? <laughs> call him what? Yeah. Bogba. Because his name is Bo Bakri uh, Sumare. So they call him Bogba. and the Pogba. Guys, uh, come on, bro. Yeah. Wow. Bogba. Bogba. So I meant yeah, to know his first name, right? <laughs> He's played also, you know, preseason looks good. So yeah, good signings, good signings. So where will they finish the season? <laughs> uh, I'm gonna say, you know, okay, fine. Fifth, two years in a row, two seasons in a row. Are they gonna finish in the top four this season? For sure. For sure. Oh, but one right. thing I can get, I like that. For sure, for sure, for sure, they will finish above Arsenal. That's okay, for sure. So seventh. And yeah, I'm very, very confident <laughs> they have to finish top four. They will finish. They will top finish four. top four. They will. Yeah, we so, got it on record. Wow. Yeah, this is preseason so pods. So one yeah, of City, yeah. Chelsea, United, or Liverpool uh, will ah. go, be out there. So I wonder who you think uh, will be out of that top four. Then I think I think Liverpool not going to make it this season. That's a big call. Four. That's a big call. Yeah, so big Leicester going to finish uh, above Liverpool and make top four. That's what you think, right? Yes, sir. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. I'll put some. If you're that confident, I'll put some money on it because the odds would be sensational. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> let's, let's get for you, for obviously. Me, right? yeah, for you, let's bro. Get like, yeah, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not gonna throw <laughs> away my money. <laughs> and the last team we'll be looking at are the last of the uh, championship teams that got promoted. They won the playoff finals. Uh, which they lost the previous season uh, to Fulham, uh, who came up. None other than Brentford, Team Ivan Tony. Um, they were third two seasons is in a row. I mentioned this is Thomas Frank, their manager's uh, third season. Uh, they were eleventh the first season he came in. They're known for playing a very Leeds style of play, and so they will be hoping to um, duplicate uh, Leeds' success uh, in the league. Uh, last season I mean apart from Tony last season who I think scored the highest goals yeah the Tony, Tony broke the right? record yeah for most yeah he broke the record goals in the championship s- crazy, crazy guy he's in my um, team <laughs> <laughs> stay tuned <laughs> free tinkering uh, but were there any other standout standout players from the from the team that you guys saw well in terms of goal contributions um, Brian Mbuemo if it's correctly, I hope I didn't butcher that. But he scored eight goals, uh, got 11 assists as well in the championship last season. So he look, should be looking to hit similar numbers in the Premier League. So so not really 15 goals, 17 assists. No, not Buendia esque. No, Buendia. It's close. It's close. <laughs> so yeah, he's, he's another you know, important player for Brentford as well. So I mentioned the um, Leeds S style of play. And so the reason that is, is because. Um, from their games, they press very aggressively and love to turn over high up the pitch. So this, of course, poses a very big risk, a uh, very high risk, high reward uh, style of play. And they love playing out from the back as well. The, the goalie usually passes it to their Calvin Phillips equivalent, Baptiste, uh, who likes to turn uh, in the midfield and start plays from there. Uh, and so how will this bode for their time in the Premier League? Because, yes, Leeds had the quality. I think they, they smashed the league uh, when they came up uh, that time. But Brentford, I mean, will they be able to pull something like that? Um, I think that's a very interesting question. And like on the surface, obviously, it looks like they're very 
very similar um, in terms of how they play. So the aggressive pressing, front foot football, trying to attack no matter who the opposition is. But I think where the problem they will face is that, yeah, they were in the championship final last the season before and they didn't make it. But before that, like you said, was it 11th they finished? So it's yep, 11th, yeah. big jump to third, and then obviously they've come up. Leeds, obviously stature of the club, massive club. You know, it was, yeah, it, it was um, almost not fitting that they were in the championship just because of the amount of support and you know historically they have been a very successful club. Quarter finalist Champions League, what in the last decade? Mm-mm. Brentford are tiny. They've you know they've just had they moved into a new stadium and even that new stadium I think capacity is less than twenty thousand. The progression has been so quick uh, coming up to the Premier League and I think that's where they'll struggle. Maybe not in terms of their first 11. I think on their day, probably they could pose quite a good threat against most of the Premier League, the bottom 13 or so. But I think where they'll struggle is where a lot of teams struggle um, when they've they've come up in recent past in terms of their squad. So I think, fine, we're drawing parallels to lead because of playing style. But I think where they might be as a team is more... Is, is more alike to Norwich maybe two seasons ago where mm. again the aim was to maybe play front foot football play our game no matter who the opposition is let's score and take it from there but a couple of injuries here and there they just don't have the squad depth to put up uh, yeah. consistent performances throughout the season I think that's so, where they yeah. might so, struggle um, the so Tony and Buemo basically Pookie and Cadwell yeah. uh, version 2 yeah, yeah and I think again all the other caveats we've said with all our preseason pods about the teams coming up is like the numbers you have in the championship yeah. there's a massive fall off massive fall off and that'll be the case massive so. really massive you can't translate championship numbers straight into the Premier League numbers for sure you know I mean maybe you can expect to achieve half Bamford yeah Bamford did it um, besides Bamford Watkins did it as well so maybe Ivan Tony is the next one. So uh, touching on your point, Raul, uh, with regards to injuries, right? Ivan Tony scored 31 goals in 45 games, and that's 39% of Brentford's goals. So for example, Tachud, I don't want this to happen, lah. If, if Tony were to get injured, then there goes 40% of their goals, bro. And we're not so even like, talking about the assists, right? He got like 10 assists, something like yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just ran the show. <laughs> so yeah, you know. I mean, previous to uh, this season's as well. I mean, they've had a lot of uh, I wouldn't say luck up front, but they've been gifted up front with uh, Watkins, who they sold last season to Villa. Yeah. He's done very well for Villa mm. um, as well. Ben Rama, who was loaned to West Ham, exactly. Yeah, uh, yeah. last season and now made permanent. Even though he hasn't had made a huge impact um, at West Ham, I think he's planning to to push on. Uh, but on that. I mean, you said Tony is a risk if he gets injured. Um, the transfers they've brought in um, so far has been in the midfield and centre-back position. So there's Frank Onyeka from Michelin, uh, who they brought in for $9 million. Uh, Pierre Harris, who's a Chelsea under-23, um, who's a cam they brought in. And then Christopher Ajer, or Ayer, uh, who's Norwegian and who they brought in for $14 million, uh, who's meant to be playing as a centre-back. Rahul, they said this guy could be uh, the next VVD or maybe plays very similar to VVD. Every centre-back that plays for uh, Celtic and Celtic. Groningen <laughs> now is the next VVD. But I think just, I mean, I mean, if I'm being honest, I, uh, 
was quite poor watching Michelin games last season, so I haven't really seen much of Frank Cognac. <laughs> Frank Cognac. <laughs> All of the Chelsea under 23 as well. You haven't watched his uh, two-minute YouTube highlights? No, no, not even the highlights. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I can't comment So the real question that. is, Rahul, I want to ask you. Yeah. So they're attacking type of football team. <laughs> <right? laughs> so what do you think? They're going to stay in the league or get relegated? <laughs> According to your metric, already, bro. Already three pots in right goals. Listen, I've learned from this. You never give a definite answer. Because <laughs> you'll come, come back and bite me in the, in the ass, bro. Yeah, the Leicester-Liverpool one will be. This is a big the one. This, uh, so so let's caveat. Remember? The caveats in everything, right? The caveats mm. in everything. I think... I don't know. It's, di- it's, it's very <laughs> difficult. I, th- I think a few things will be highlighted this season. I've, okay, first of all, I think right. Brentford might struggle when they're playing better teams just for the other reasons I've already said. You yep. know, I think the transition mm. has been so quick from Championship to Premier League. I don't think they have the core players mm. throughout the squad to maintain um, you know, uh, a season to finish 16-17 yeah. or whatever, non-relegation. But the other thing is I think it'll highlight how difficult it was um coming up and playing consistently attacking football. Um, Norwich have more of a chance, I think. Um, but I think anyone who replicates a season Leeds had straight from the championship is 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 not is not something which is gonna be is not something that's gonna happen. I think the season yeah, Leeds club, had right? last no, oh yeah. no way man. Yeah, yeah I mean, they slightly more than normally sc- than anything. They didn't scrape like staying into the Prem. They where did they I no, can't no. I can't even remember where they finished now, but it was a top half, was it a top half finish? Leeds top half, had? top half of the table, yeah. So I mean, yeah. that's the thing. I think you have to play attacking football if you want to stay up in the prem. I, I stand mm-hmm. by what I said, but I think whether you successfully do it or not, that might be a different question. And I don't know if Brentford can maintain it throughout the season. They've got really exciting squad of young players, and they recruit very well. Um, I was listening to a podcast the other day where they had the um, Brentford sporting directors on, and they themselves have said the the strategy from the beginning or I mean not from the beginning but the strategy when looking at promotion to the Premier League while they were in the championship was always recruiting Premier League ready players and that sounds Mm. so simple but like in the context of easy to say (laughs) easy to say but also in the context of we look at seasons as one season uh, at a time right so we look at 21-22 we look at 22-23 I think obviously these people are high level um, management of clubs don't look at it that way they probably look at five year horizons ten year horizons and the plan probably for a club like Brentford was fine if we make it up this season that's okay we're going to maintain the style of play we have we've got Thomas Frank we've got this good structure in there he plays good football he knows what we want to do if we go down in the first season that's fine because we'll have the parachute payments we'll have money to keep recruiting Premier League ready players they've done it before you just you know we touched on Watkins we touched on Ben Rama that was two seasons yeah. ago Ben Rama and Watkins yeah, were two, you know, we, 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 was literally part of their first team front three two seasons ago, yeah. and they've successfully um, recruited Ivan Tony. And obviously, higher you go up in the football pyramid, the more difficult it is to recruit quality players at low prices. But at their yeah, level, definitely. and they've got the structure there, I think they can keep doing it. Whether they step this season, I think will be difficult, just because okay. they've got a small squad. But I think they are someone who, if they do go down this season, we will see them very soon. Um, so exact. Mm. I think they're literally Norwich, but two years behind, two three years behind. Mm. Mm. Yeah, on the relegation part, I think it's also interesting to look at what other teams could be down there because I think Burnley have gone down a slippery slope for um, a few seasons now. For example, uh, Newcastle under Steve Bruce, um, it's not the most uh, exciting team. I don't know. Who do you guys think 
will be in the mix down there. Look at the shit show happening at Crystal Palace. Yeah. It's like a f- it's like a football manager say. They yeah, let go yeah. like ten <laughs> players out of con- actually. I'm sorry. <laughs> I said under Patrick Vieira. Under Patrick Vieira as well. <laughs> this God. is literally what I would have done oh when God. I was twelve years old on like FIFA manager. You know, <laughs> just let the contract. <laughs> just like oh, I just want to say yeah. Let's just <laughs> let's just let ten. First I want to sign exciting go. new players. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> they've literally just signed under twenty three England squad. That's what they've done. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think a big I think the massive question mark that I think Palace will definitely be. Uh, be wants to uh, look out early season for some <laughs> thr- thrashings because uh, <laughs> I think Patrick Patrick Vieira is just not a good manager. I don't know why. <laughs> I I just don't get it. I just don't get it. But yeah, I think Palace will be there. Like you said, Burnley. I don't know. I th- I think uh, Mr. Dyche will have it tied up, man. He'll uh, he'll know what to do. He's been there. Yeah, he's, he's, he's a season he, he doesn't go down. Chris Wood and Ashley Barnes again and again. That's it. He oh knows the formula. <laughs> Route one. I don't care. Pump it. <laughs> Out of the three, I think it'll be Watford or Brentford. Watford or Brentford. I think Norwich will stay up. Ooh. I think okay. so. And I think Palace will be in trouble. Um, I think Palace will be in trouble. I don't know. I don't know who the third one will be. Who was awful last season? Let's have a thing. I really, yeah. Sheffield quite shit though. Yeah, oh, but yeah, they won yeah, Sheffield they United, Sheffield. bro. Yeah, we already <laughs> we already got told off in the last pod. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sheffield United. <laughs> 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 There's many Sheffield. We can't keep making this mistake. What am I saying? <laughs> uh, yeah, they were they were terrible. Um, yeah, Villa. I mean, the ones who have just come up, Villa and things. I mean, Villa's not going down. It'd be funny if they did, but I don't think they will after <laughs> after losing Grealish and yeah. <laughs> spending terribly. Buendia. Potentially, fifteen goals, seventeen assists. <laughs> All right. On that note, thank you for tuning in to our third podcast. Our next one will be the FPL podcast. So stay tuned for that. Thank you, everyone. Tony is very lucky that his father is a better person than Oli. And I think you, 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 you are an ostrich. Next Tuesday, April Fool's Day, he's the biggest fool in Manchester. And that is you, David Myers. Football heritage. No one wants to be a fullback as a kid. No one wants to grow up and be a Gary Neville. But unfortunately, crimes and wars will multiply. I love football.